Oh, look at that. I knew something about a punk band. Just some old fat drunk dudes jumping up and down. (laughs) This tree just planted itself right on top of the cement. I did watch a YouTube video today. My dad mashed potatoed of Chris Carava. Aaron doesn't know who Chris (laughs) Carava is. It's so good. That's great. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Punk Tree. Glad you're listening. Just checking in here with Mike and Aaron. How are you guys doing today? Good. Pretty good. We're still in uh, the quarantine Neverland. Stuck at home all day, every day. Yeah. We actually, uh, the other night, we watched a movie in the backyard. Uh, We watched Hook. And I had not seen Hook in a really long time. And it uh, it was fantastic. Like the one with Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. And you forget that it's Dustin Hoffman. Oh, yeah. He's good. Mm-hmm. He's really good, yeah. Right. How about you, Aaron? Anything new? Uh, no, I mean, we started um, working on how we're going to get school going again today. So that was real fun, sitting in online meetings all morning. Um, hashtag same. Hashtag same. Wow. Yeah, I did that as well. I, I didn't what a hashtag coincidence. it. I prefer hash browns to hashtags. Ooh, hash browns are good. I think any form of fried potatoes, I prefer. All right. Well, how about music, you guys? What uh, What have you been listening to lately? Either today or just in the last week. What What's on the playlist? Oh, Death by Stereo has been filling my speakers and earphones since like January because um you know Slabratory does the slabby holidays every Christmas and this year it was supposed to be Ignite and Pulley and I was real excited especially since that would be the last time I would be able to get to see Ignite because they had announced they were breaking up and then they broke up right before the show but Death by Stereo filled in and it was great the it was the first time that I had seen Death by Stereo since like 2003. And uh, when was that show? That was uh, end of December. It was like December 27th. Oh, back when we were allowed to leave our houses? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> like I said, this has been since January. Anyways, yeah. Um, they were so good. And I remembered why I liked them so much that they're playing in Hollywood like three weeks later. So I drove up there and saw them with a buddy of mine john who i grew up with and uh yeah so ever since then i've just been like probably 70 percent of the music i've listened to has been death by stereo How about you, Mike? What have you uh, What have you been listening to this week? This week, so a few weeks ago, we Jesse and I, our band that we're in, we shared uh, our top ten albums of the last decade, which I think is something we will probably do on here at some point. We'll share some of our best albums, favorite albums. Um, I 
I sort of started re-listening to a lot of propaganda uh, in the last maybe six months to a year, something like that. Um, and I loved Victory Lap, but I've been listening to Supporting Cast a lot because I felt like I got that album and I listened to it and I liked it, but it was one of those like, I'm listening to records and snippets on my way to work and not doing the like thing where I, I used to always like get an album, open it up, open the lyrics, and I would listen to the entire album while I was reading the lyrics in order. And I think streaming has kind of like taken that away a bit or I lost the practice of like pulling out CD, you know, inserts and like reading along. Um, and so like, I, I found myself like, one of the reasons I love that band is I really love lyricism and I kind of like glossed over it. And so I've been back in just like repeat listening to it a bunch, um, listening on vinyl actually, which is like, there's something about that tactile, like pull the record out and I put it on and I'm going to listen to one side. And so I'm only going to get like five songs. That's all I'm going to hear. I'm probably going to put it on repeat a couple of times and I'm really going to like let it absorb. So, nice. yeah. Yeah. Propagandi wasn't a band that like I particularly followed throughout the years, but when I was just over at your place, I don't know. I was going to say a couple months, but honestly it was probably six months ago. Maybe. I think it was around Christmas you, time. You, oh, was it? Yeah. I think oh, so. that's, that's true. But um, yeah, like you put on, I think, it, I, think the, I think the first thing you put on was victory lap and it might've been the first track. But I was just, my, you probably, my eyes were just like, what? This sounds incredible. Incredible. Like, this is right up my alley. I love this. Say that all cops. Say that all men. Yeah, you insist it's only 99%. There's nothing new for you to learn. Okay, sit back, relax, and watch it all. I was going to say, they're a band that I didn't really get to appreciate probably until maybe four or five years ago. And really, like, you know, when all my friends were listening to them back in the day, like, I wasn't really paying attention to lyrics so much. I'm talking when I was, like, 16, 17. Um, but, you know, as I got older and I really understood what they were talking about, um, it meant a whole lot more to me, and I really appreciate that band now. Just like Mike was saying, the uh, lyricism is uh, very important. As far as what I've been listening to lately, a couple of things came to mind. First of all, like um, just since we've been stuck at home, I kind of um, gave my daughter reign of my music library. <laughs> so like I use a ton of iTunes and like iTunes match. So like any device I've got that's Apple product has my whole library in it. And so she knows how to like find stuff that she likes. And so um She's got like a little Bluetooth speaker that she's playing with outside. And so one of the things that she's been playing a ton is actually uh, the almost for some reason, like that's just something that she's attached herself to. And, and like, she just was playing it all day yesterday. And honestly, compared to other stuff she listens to um, like kids bop, like <laughs> I'll definitely prefer, prefer when she's listening to my library, we'll put it that way. I'm sorry, just something I will not pick 
So you've been listening to a lot of what your daughter has been choosing for you to listen to from your own library. Yeah, it's not always great, but it is kind of nice just to like hand it over and just like, yeah, you know, let her feel like she's gets to make her decisions. And so one of the main things that she chooses uh, that, 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 that I can go along with is, is the almost, I think, uh, first time she ever listened to it we were like watching music videos on mm-hmm. youtube and uh she she just like was drawn to it and i think i think she might have had like a little crush on on the singer <laughs> we i had a, like she's only she's only seven i i think there's just a little little bit of interest like like that <laughs> we had a little thing that you know anyway so we are in the so that's one thing but oh go ahead jesse oh no that's um so that's like one thing that came to mind like what i've been listening to lately but then also um like what i've been choosing like if i'm playing music while i'm working or or whatever i uh i've been listening to too bad eugene Mm. a bunch the last Mm -hmm. few days and uh, i'm really glad to have um, done that because i like like them they're fantastic it's uh do you know too bad eugene aaron they were like uh they started out on um was that record Mike rock city records yeah rock city records he was one of the they were one of the first bands that he produced other than his own band and uh uh, but they they made one record on on rock city records with mike Rivera, and then they put just a second album out on tooth and nail actually a few years later they were really different records even but i don't know if you knew this the guys from too bad eugene uh adam and andy were um the two of the guys from Craig's brother. Remember oh, Craig's yeah. brother? Did you ever see him? Yes. Yes. Which yes. actually is connected to uh, uh, my kid's music story that just happened because we're in the we're in the throes of the coronavirus thing and we're all at home. And a, a fairly well-known songwriter actually died from coronavirus last week. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but he is the writer of my son's favorite song, actually. Uh, made very popular oh, by Joan what Jett. What is your son's favorite song? Made popular by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, I Love Rock and Roll, written by Alan Merrill. And actually, Alan Merrill um, died because of complications due to COVID-19. Um, my son doesn't know the Joan Jett version of it. Uh, he knows the goatee hook version of I love rock and roll. Nice. Uh, but that was probably the first Same. song that either of my kids like would request for us to play. You know, I could, I could totally relate. That's actually one of the songs that's on Harlow's playlist. She loves that song too. And it is even the goatee hook version. Anyway. So, um, so those were the couple of things that came to mind for what I've been listening to lately. Um, we've heard from each of you guys, uh, we should probably get into what we are going to be talking about today, which is shows, uh, getting into best shows, favorite shows, who have you seen, best show you've ever seen. So uh, we should hop right in. Just, uh, how about you, Aaron? Do you, have a, do you have a favorite or best show you've ever been to? Um, that is hard. Uh, but there's a couple that stand out and uh, I'm sure a lot of people will um, contend that we're talking about punk and I'm mentioning these shows, but 
uh, I saw, <clears throat> let's see here, Alkaline Trio, uh, Gaslight Anthem, Thrice, and Rise Against at uh, Viejas Arena at SDSU. And every single one of those bands could be um, headlining bands. So having them all in that lineup was like huge. And every single one of them did an amazing job. Um, like, I mean, you guys have both seen Thrice and Rise Against, right? They always put on a good show. Like even when Mike and I have had discussions about when Thrice is touring an album, it is a little bit different than when they're just touring. And, you know, it seems more rehearsed and robust. But even when they're not doing that, like even when I saw them at the Warped Tour, like they're just an amazing band. Like you could almost put on a CD and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between that and their live show. Um, so that is one of the ones that stands out to me just because, you know, when there were, you know, five really good bands playing together and then every single one of them put on such a great show that night. How long ago was, was that? Uh, that was 2008. And I don't think the entire tour was like that. It was thrice, I don't think, was supposed to be on that tour. They jumped in in the last minute, which was maybe not last minute. It was like a couple months before. And I could be wrong about that, but I, I remember it not being like the original lineup on that tour because originally, like, we um, got the tickets to see Rise Against because they were the headliner. And that was kind of like, well, that was the headliner. We didn't think Thrice was going to be there. So it was a huge surprise when they added him to it. How about you, Jesse? Do you have one in your mind? Yeah, the one show that comes to mind like immediately um, is, is um, Manchester Orchestra, um, specifically when they were touring the Hope record. I remember even just like right after the show, just walking away. Oh my gosh, like, yeah. I, I think I've never, I've never enjoyed listening to live music as much as the last hour and a half it was it was just phenomenal i've seen manchester orchestra orchestra a ton of times like they're they're pretty big rock sound but when they stripped down for that hope record which i loved the whole record and then just the presentation uh when we went and saw them i it, it that's the first thing that comes to mind as far as like best or more favorite show. I've got other shows I've been to that I can definitely yeah. say that were fantastic. In fact, another one that comes to mind was when uh, Manchester Orchestra was touring with Thrice and as much as I love both of those bands uh, 
they're each in my top five or top 10 favorite bands of all time. And the fact that on the same bill, two bands that are, that I have that highly regarded um, just makes it kind of stand out. It's not very often that multiple favorite bands are actually touring together. So that's a, a second one that at least comes to mind. Yeah, I was with you. Oh, both of those shows, I think. Um, but that that Manchester Hope tour show was at, at like a small. I think it was at the Troubadour. It was a Troubadour in Hollywood, yeah. And it was it's small. It's old school, you know, L.A. club style. Um, and the fact that it was so small, I think the show sold out in like a day. It, it was quick, and you're just all you know, you're crammed in because the capacity is the capacity of a concert where everybody's like densely in, in the space, but it's a broken down set. So nobody's going nuts. You know, like most shows that we might go to, there's people jumping around and moshing and stuff. Um, it was just kind of, di- it was very different. You're in a sticky floor. It was definitely very yeah, famous, famous club, you know. What do you mean by uh, broken down set? Okay, so so Manchester Orchestra put out an album in like 2017 called Cope, um, which was it was a pretty traditional sound for them. Was it 2017 or 16? Somewhere in that range, sure. right? Anyways, it was a pretty traditional sound for them. You know, big guitars, driving melodic vocals. Uh, you know, just pretty straightforward rock. But they took the uh, exact same songs and they re-recorded them completely different style way more way more keys way more synth type stuff if there's guitars it's going to be like acoustic sounding guitars and so i I mean bands do that occasionally they'll like they'll do remixes or reimagined tracks where it's you know familiar songs but just completely different instrumentation and presentation and so we actually went to the cope tour as well and like we saw them great um but there's just something that was super special about about um, the hope record as well as the presentation when they when they toured it you want to feel old cope was in 2014 <laughs> everything it's twice as long ago saying, like, everything is twice as long ago as i think mm-hmm. um which is why when i was like oh when you show me propagandi uh i was like oh it was probably because i was I've, I've started to self-correct yeah yeah because yeah. i've started noticing like oh it must have been a couple years ago no it was five years ago I started to self-correct and just assume it was further ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you actually like, you touched on something there. There's, there's a big difference between those two shows you guys talked about. And I think there is a difference between, for me at least, between show going culture and like going to a concert. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think Aaron, what you're talking about is more of like a concert. It's a massive arena. Absolutely. It's, you know, lots of hype radio stations are even pushing it locally uh that kind of like seating and all that stuff and then there's like the show stuff which goes back to being you know a middle schooler for me going to see bands uh sometimes in a backyard with you know seven people i remember playing a show when i was in a band in middle school in my front yard on my front porch as the stage with like you know 25 youth group kids standing in my my front yard while we're playing um and like that, that sort of scene, and we will talk about maybe bands we used to be a part of and be around a lot later on another time, but um, a, sh- a venue we used to go to and we used to play at actually 
pretty regularly uh, was the Epicenter, which was in, in San Diego, Mira Mesa in San Diego. And it was like a, a community center that was converted into like a concert hall at night. But there, during the day, it was like an after school program place. And but they would get these like it had a punk rock scene vibe and they would get these bands that people really wanted to see. And so every like Friday and Saturday, you could drive. I'm from a couple hours away from San Diego, but you can come to San Diego and it was like packed house during those like mid 90s, late 90s, like that, during that era. Um, and so we used to go there a lot and a show that just comes to mind. And it's not like musically the best show. It's not necessarily my favorite bands or anything like that but i think there's like a nostalgia to it for me is uh when i was in college so we're going like really early like 2001 something like that 2002 um and we mentioned this band when we were talking a bit ago uh i saw the headliner of the of the show was longfellow which was a band i really really liked from orange county <clears throat> and uh a band that i had actually gotten to play with before um the band dogwood which was a, a tooth and nail band um who we now I, we actually know the guy who was the drummer of that band they actually released some music in the last couple of years i didn't realize that but they did really um yeah was it the last couple of years or was it, was it in 2017 because I'm, I'm i'm trying to see if we can get the guy to jump on the podcast with us so um but the venue is just like it's just like that sticky floor thing again like mm. you, you know jesse and i have played shows there a show there, there together too um but you you know there's like these rafters and like you know guys from the band are climbing up on the rafters like during the show swinging off of them and landing on the crowd and it's it's total mayhem and it's like that era of like post-punk you know longfellow was maybe like closer to original punk rock but definitely a little bit poppy dogwood was like and, and longfellow was like a, a, a straight up like punk band in the scene dogwood was coming from like the christian punk rock like side of things but happened to be sharing a bill with them and everybody knew the song so it's like they're like everybody's singing along and jumping around and i don't know it was a blast and it was kind of fun because i was like a little older and so it was one of the first shows I remember where like I didn't live at home anymore. You know, I'm like deciding to go do this on my own. Um, I'm meeting some friends from high school and stuff again together to see some bands that we hit me and we used to go see together. So yeah, it was a good time. So when I was talking about the difference between shows and concerts, so you guys were like, like nodding your head with me, like, yeah, yeah. Like there is a difference, right? Right. And, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about that because it is, uh, it's very interesting because you can have the exact same bands playing in two different venues. 
and it's like an entirely different show you know so like in 2003 i saw um death by stereo with avenge sevenfold and afi at uh uc irvine at their like big mega arena and that was cool and there's like something about the energy in a uh arena like that but then i've now seen them in the past four months twice in venues that had a capacity of like what's brick by brick like 300 something like that yeah so where like you run into the band outside of the venue like Mm -hmm. there's no security at the the front door like you can see everything from anywhere in the entire venue you can see everything that's going on on the stage you can actually make eye contact with the band members and there's that like intimacy there's like that shared feeling of like this is something special with those 300 people in that room versus in an arena you have like you know 10,000 people who like the music but are just there to have a good time doesn't mean much to them there's like something about that connection in those intimate venues that I really love and there was a period for like 10 years where I did not go to a show like that until probably was that 2018 was the first show I'd gone to like that in a long time and I remembered very quickly why I really love that places like the soda bar and uh casbah um the small places on sunset boulevard like the viper room mm-hmm. and uh, the roxy and the whiskey you know uh the brick by brick is run by uh nick from as i lay dying you ever seen him there uh yeah i bought a beer from him <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool spot. yeah i mean those those were uh I remember some other clubs in San Diego that, that aren't around anymore. Club Zainth was a place we used to go. It was out east a bit. Um, up in Orange County, we used to go to Chain Reaction, uh, Glass House. Um, yeah, I mean, there there is something that, and it's like, I think that now it's, it's just like, there's been such such a recession in live music that a lot of those places are just not around anymore. I mean, we still play music sometimes. And so we're, you know, we still see some of those places that have something going on like San Diego, the Ruby room is now the Murrow um, where we, we tend to hang out there every, every few months at least. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I, I worry that that's like kind of faded. I think an interesting thing to talk about at some point is just like, what are the, you know, we're going to talk a lot on this podcast about the like teenage version of ourselves and sort of that formative and sending out to what we listen to now and and how things have changed. Um, But I know there's like, I know that like the lemon Grove punk scene in San Diego is a thing. There's a bunch of bands that do a lot of backyard shows there. And that, that thing is still very much alive with high schoolers. um, Just like roaming from backyard to backyard. And there's like a, a taco shop out there that puts on shows inside the taco shop. It's like punk rock bands and tacos which sounds like something maybe we should, maybe we should do a live show from there. That would be great. That would be amazing. Well, everyone shared their favorite or best show they've been to. What about, what about the worst? 
Is that oh, a harder man. question or an easier question? Are, are we trying to put it in the same vein? Like, like, is it in like going to see bands we really hoped were going to be good? Or would you count like, you know, going to like Taylor, Taylor Swift oh. with your wife? No, that doesn't count. No. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a concert though. That's yeah. not a show. <laughs> and by the way, I actually found that kind of fascinating is like, <laughs> trying to trying to define the difference between a, a concert and a show yeah i think so too i there's some danger here because i think like some of the worst shows i've ever seen were from like my friends bands <laughs> if i'm on if i honestly am trying to like this is the worst <laughs> here i am because i i mean odds are the 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 shows where you like bought a ticket to see the band you wanted to see it probably wasn't like terrible maybe it was but probably wasn't terrible terrible it just wasn't like what you expected they were off versus like someone you did not want to see at all and you're forced to go and they were even off of the terrible that you did not want to experience (laughs) well let's let's not count let's not for this particular question don't count uh things that you were not intend I don't know like no don't count when you went and saw Taylor Swift yeah let's say no Taylor like, Swift and no friends bands okay that sounds good that sounds fair all right why don't all right why don't you go first Aaron what what comes to mind for your very worst show experience okay so much like Mike I grew up in an area that bands did not come to so you had to drive a minimum of two hours to see anybody i feel um so and like we would go to any show just because like it was a desperate situation so uh one christmas break i think when i was a junior in high school um like in november we looked at the chain reaction um bill during christmas break and we're like, ah, the only band that looks or is punk looks like something I want to see is the Orange Conspiracy. So, uh, and I don't know if we bought tickets back then. Doesn't matter. Anyways, the time comes up and like days before this, we all get sick, like terribly sick, but we're going anyways because we're 16 year olds that live in Ridgecrest, California. This is like our <laughs> chance. Yeah. Um, so we get in the car and from Ridgecrest to Anaheim is like two and a half, three hours. Um, by the time we get to Mojave, which is about 40 minutes away from Ridgecrest, um, our buddy's van gets a flat tire, I think. No, he has, his car starts shooting black smoke out of the tailpipe. So we... Uh, stop in Mojave, um, find a, uh, an auto shop. And they're like, oh, you just have too much oil and it's ridiculously dirty. Because all he would do is put a little more oil in his car <laughs> every couple of months. <laughs> so we leave it there and walk across the street to Wendy's, I think. And I go order my food. And um, I'm so sick. Like in the car, I was laying in the back seat of the car, like in and out of consciousness. So I order my food, um, walk over to the table 
And as soon as I sit down, I literally like black out and my head falls on the table. And I'm like, just in that position for like three minutes until my friend comes over and wakes me up. He doesn't really realize that I just kind of blacked out. And, but you know, I'm pushing through because I have to. And uh, so we get to Anaheim and uh, we find a hotel. We get there like, I don't know, two hours prior to the show. So me and my buddy, we just like pass out on the floor of this hotel until the show starts. Walk over to Chain Reaction and like, I think we were sitting in the back of the venue the entire time, just like hating the decision that we had made and like just wanting this show to be over um, because we were so sick, could barely stay awake and the bands were terrible. So like we were not the only people in this place that wanted these guys to stop playing. I don't really know why we didn't just walk out. I know why we didn't because, you know, we're desperate to see a show. But I remember at one point, like uh, the singer from the Orange Conspiracy was like, you guys having a good time? You wanna hear one more? And like the crowd overwhelmingly was just like, no. And so they played their one more song and the show was over. Jeez, that would be so rough. That would be so rough to literally ask that question in the, in the crowd overwhelmingly yeah. says no. That would be that would be bad. How about you, Jesse? You have a just like man, it was not a good time show. Uh no, for me, mine wasn't necessarily that it wasn't a good time. This one actually just to have a nice connection. It's um actually was at Brick by Brick. It was probably a couple of years ago, and I went to see Richie Kotzen. And um, I mean, I enjoy Richie Kotzen. He was formerly in Poison. Not that I was ever into Poison or even then, but he was, I definitely listened to Winery Dogs and some of his solo stuff. But went to go see him at, at Brick by Brick and the opening bands were fine. The venue's fine. Everything's cool. But like, it comes time for him to go on. And He's not coming on stage. Um, I don't know. I don't know what he was doing, but he wouldn't come in. The I know what oh. he was doing. I know um, what he was doing. Oh, he was definitely still in his tour bus. What, what was that he was doing? I wasn't in the tour drugs. bus. I feel pretty oh. certain that he was doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Based on his demeanor, when he did finally come out on stage, I don't know, 20 minutes late. Um, yeah, he had he had sort of um, that look, that appearance, that, that that's what he was doing. But honestly, he still he still sounded great. I, I like Richie Cotton's voice. He's a fantastic guitar player, fantastic guitar player. I really enjoy it. But um, none of that none of that actually went poorly because of him starting out late. But just just the attitude he had of just like, I don't give a crap about this audience. I'm just gonna come on stage as late as I want. I'll just hide in my tour bus. Um, I don't know. It just felt just felt like he had no respect for the audience. Like like these people are literally here to see you, man. Like, don't be a douche. Like like and yeah, you're famous, but I don't know. No excuse, man. Like, be cool. I I was struggling to try and come up with one, and I've been thinking through like bad 
musical show experiences bad like you know i had a couple drinks too many bad show experience or you know something went wrong or some band like canceled like all of those things have happened i feel like in show experiences but you just reminded me jesse of maybe it's the worst for a few reasons and it just got worse while it was happening and it was at canes which used to be a venue down in, on mission beach in san diego uh it yeah it's gone it's, it's been gone for a long time i think like 10 years um i even like played music there once but i went there and it's like here we go and we'll, we'll get into embarrassing stories at some point here but i went there to see dashboard confessional i was a really big yes! further seems forever fan i still am a very big further seems forever fan and uh chris caraba had split off Wait, yeah who? right and uh, yeah that? he <laughs> was the uh singer for further seems forever and then he played the saxophone in dashboard confessional that's right it's exactly correct that's right aaron you did your research so he nice also job. is an alcoholic at least seemingly an alcoholic um and so i go to canes and i, I think i kind of got wrapped into going with just some friends you know and it was kind of like like oh this is happening it's fine i wasn't super into it but it was fine and at the time especially i was not super into it and i was like i didn't like him because i was a big further seems forever fan and he was the guy who kind of like screwed everything up at the time um and so you know we we get a bunch of people from the dorm rooms i guess and we like head over there and he was so plastered drunk that he couldn't he wasn't making sense and it, it was a stool on the stage it was just a stool and him sitting on the stool by himself and that was it and uh it's a smallish venue i don't know maybe a couple hundred people or something fit in there and he was awful he was like musically awful. And then at one point he, and he was still drinking. I remember while the show was going on. And at one point he like could not go on. Like he couldn't, he couldn't perform anymore. And <clears throat> so somebody came out and asked him to leave the stage. Like somebody, his person or the bar or whatever it was, people came out and like said like, yo, we need, you need to get off the stage. And he got in an argument and he's like yelling and cussing out the whoever it was on the stage in front of everybody and and it's already become like a joke and some people have already left and other people are just being entertained by the disaster you know this is before like smartphone world this is before we had i don't even think we had cameras on phones back then um you know but it would have been like a horrible like youtube snapchat moment for him um but yeah yeah and that was before he became like a super national touring dude it was like right right when he had left further seems forever we should probably wrap up pretty soon i just had another question for you guys though um so we got kind of best show worst show how about just like what band have you seen like the most times oh that's good uh i, I think i know my answer do you guys have your answer i'm wondering if it's um, the same so answer kind of think it is um i i would think think that my answer or at least an answer i think is correct i obviously don't have the uh, actual data and stats here 
to know exactly what you don't, you don't have a baseball times, card but... binder of all of your ticket <laughs> ticket master stubs <laughs> faded to black <laughs> all right i'll go i'll go then i think aaron and i were nodding along with each other i i'm pretty sure that the band i've seen the most is thrice that wow. might be challenged only by i did go to a lot of tooth and nail shows and, and there's a, a good chance that like slick shoes or some other bands like that that were like kind of like southern california tooth and nail era bands could possibly challenge it aaron is, is that definitely your answer it's as well very similar i th- i'm pretty sure it's thrice because same thing i've seen thrice in the last two months and i think the first time i saw them was like 2003 and i want to say i've seen them on average at least once every two years since then but it's possible that i've seen afi more times because there was a four-year period at the end of high school and then like the two years where i was really screwing off after high school that uh they were like like almost the band i the only band that i listened to i saw them a bunch of times i don't really remember how many times yeah so you, that's the second time you mentioned AFI. I actually had a funny AFI connection. So I was in a band in high school and um, I actually left for college. And so they got a new guitar player, a different drummer, whatever. It was still the same like core of guys, but they went on to be a, a different band and they ended up getting like a practice space in uh, Berkeley. And I came home um, from college just on like, I don't know, Thanksgiving break or something. And we went to go, go to the practice space. And as it turns out, the band uh, in the practice space right next door to us uh, was AFI. Yeah, they were, um, they were a little better than we were, I guess. <laughs> did, did Davey Havoc have the hair, the Danzig going, even when they're just practicing? No. That surprises uh, me. He seems like the kind of guy who does not leave the house without his makeup done, his leather pants, and his hair done. Okay, so band I've seen the most, pretty sure, same answer as you guys. It's most likely thrice. However, just to kind of say the way, the way Mike said it, um, uh, I think if a band was going to be close, it might be Five Iron Frenzy. Oh, really? took it took it sky. I saw them I saw them at least once a year if not twice between the ages of like 11 and 18. Wow. Man. It must have been nice growing up in the city. Oh, dude. <laughs> that was definitely something I had going for me like I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area in the East Bay, but like even as a teenager we had access to like multiple big cities within 30 minute driving distance or bart hop on bart go to shows back that's what we did the most often we'd hop on bart you know like we had the whole scene in southern california but aaron and i were both just like inland and so everything was popping off mostly you know the like san diego was very much like a punk rock city um and then sort of like as punk rock split off which is where this podcast is going to go right like as punk rock split off into these other subgenres, orange county was a really big place for that like that's where a lot of like branching 
happened. And so that was happening like right as yeah. we were graduating high school and stuff like that. All this stuff is sort of gone down. But it almost felt just like slightly out of reach. Oh, yeah. You know, and there was no internet. So even knowing that things were going to happen, you had to be mm -hmm. like on a street team or on a mailing list to get yeah. like the, the, the concert bills and stuff. No, living, living in a big city, like super close to like San Francisco, like me and my buddies in high school, we were going to shows once or twice a month. We'd go into the city to like the Fillmore or Slims or Bottom of the Hill or even the Pound. And like there were shows at those places that we wanted to see like multiple times a month. We were, we were going into the city all the yeah. time. And we, we would just have to set up our own. Like there was this old, uh, there's this old post office in, in El Centro, which was the, the closest town that was big, um, like 30,000 people. And uh, it, it had been like closed down and the, like the arts council in the area was given the building. And so they, you know, they had like a crappy gallery of like watercolor paintings in the front foyer area. Um, and then behind it, there was like a room that was like half refurbished. And we went in and we literally like helped them clean out this room. And like, they got a soundboard installed and there was this really awesome stage that had not been a stage. It was great. And it was called the old post office pavilion, the OPOP. And so like our solution was like, we can just bring shows to ourselves. And so I was in like the local band out there. There weren't a lot of bands and we were one of the only bands around and we would just like write to these record labels and bands that we really liked and ask them if they wanted to add this to their tour. If you're going to play in like, you know, San Diego and then you're going to play in Phoenix, you could stop, you know, relatively halfway between and play another show. And so it was it was kind of awesome you know we never got like huge names but we did get names like you know like dogwood and slick shoes and bands like that and sometimes we get to play with some of them and sometimes you know they were really cool and they would even open because they'd come and they'd play a show at like six o'clock on their way to phoenix or something crazy um just to squeeze another show in and make a couple hundred bucks in gas money you know um and, and there was nothing else going on out there. And so we would cram the place like packed full of kids, which was really a good time. Well, this has been great, guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's funny. I bet if we talk to people anywhere, the stories of like going to little venues, big venues, going to shows, it's, I think that this was like a, a very, um, like a transcendent experience for people, no matter where they grew up, of just like that feeling of, being outside, waiting in line, getting into the place, getting a hand stamp or a bracelet or whatever it is. Um, and no matter how bad the music was, trying our very best to at least pretend we had an amazing time. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the first full episode of The Punk Tree. We had a great time talking about shows and we can't wait to share more conversations with you about great music and good times. We leave you on this episode with a local band from San Diego in the Lemon Grove punk scene. This is Lemon Grove Punks by PSO.
up to the shows, we're out of control. We support you if it's a 100%. But it's let it go, punks that we represent. Don't care what you think, don't care what you know. This is our doubt, this is Lemon Grow. You see us on the street and you see us in the show. This is LGP, we are BSO. Don't care what you think, don't care what you know. This is our doubt, this is Lemon Grow. You see us on the street and you see us in the show. This is LGP, this is Lemon Grow. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.